Hey, hey, this is your host, Troy Smith. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come by the Naughty Lounge and relax on our virtual comfy couch and hear our special guest we have today. So before we get the show started, I want you to do me a favor. Head over to NaughtyLounge.com, N-O-T-I-L-O-U-N-G-E.com. Scroll to the bottom, hit that connect button. So now that you're here, let's make sure you and I connect. So now let's get to the show. Hey, welcome to the Naughty Lounge. I'm your host, Troy Smith. I'm here with my um, awesome friend, a special guest, Joe Morgan. Safe Inspire You. What's up, Joe? Hey, Troy. Another great day in Nashville. A little hot out, though. Glad yeah, I know. It. And you got a long sleeve shirt on, man. So I guess it's not too hot for you. Well, I, that was for you. I wanted to look good, you know? <laughs> man, so, hey, Joe, it's a lot going on, man. But before we get to all that stuff, I just want to tell you thank you and Thank you for being a part of the vision, man. Always, always supporting, man. Always supporting. Easy to do. And the uh, same here, man. Ditto. And so, inspire you. You know, everyone of safe inspire you. And you know, the good thing is, besides your cool socks, you know, let's let's get a little bit into what you're what you're doing to changing lives and these CEOs and business owners that's wanting to change their business around. And and you're doing a whole lot when it comes down to diversity and inclusion. So, why don't you give us a little insight about that, real quick, and so we can get a give the the audience a. Just a brief synopsis. Absolutely. So uh, my career has been pretty interesting, done a lot of different things, been involved with a range of companies. The biggest theme of all that is that people are in the middle of all business. So I, a couple of years ago, decided to start my own business called Be Safe, Be Inspired, Be You. And it's I, I focus on people in the middle. And as you and I both know, there are so many different kinds of people from so many different kinds of perspectives. Sometimes we look different. Sometimes we behave differently. And sometimes we just have different backgrounds. But in the end, we all come together generally in business. So if we can find a way to create a safe environment for people where they can have the right conversations and express themselves in the right way and find out what they're really passionate about and celebrate their uniqueness, I think extraordinary things can happen. And that's where I spend my time. And I do that with um, a range of companies, but generally middle-sized companies. But I also work with entrepreneurs because I am one myself. And we um, we try and build on the strength of the people that we have in the organization and and uh, advance the business in, in leveraging those people. So and then we find ourselves in circumstances like we're in right now, which is actually not a new thing. It's just a heightened awareness. Mm-hmm. And we have to bring that into the conversation. And with the work that we do, because we've really established a trusted and safe environment, we can actually begin that conversation. And so I think that's really the passion that I've had for a long time. So it's, that's, that's what we do. See, 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 Joe, you actually are one of those people that really, you're like the heart of what the Naughty Lounge is all about, which is not overthinking it. But the target audience for the Naughty Lounge, man, let's just be honest about it. Typically like 30 plus, you know, 30 plus yeah. people that's like, hey, I got, a, I got a side hustle idea that I like to do, but, you know, I got a family in place. I got kids and you know, I'm at a job I don't like anymore. So what happens is they end up keep overthinking it all the time. And mm-hmm. then they and they never push forward with that idea. And what I mean by you being that perfect audience member or the perfect person to be on this show is because you at one time, before you became an entrepreneur, you had everything going in regards. You had a company that you were actually running, CEO, and mm-hmm. then you decided to stop doing that. You got a family. You know, you got your kids are grown now, but the fact is you got family. You decided, you know what, I want to go ahead and do something for me now. What made you start thinking like that? What made you actually stop overthinking and actually doing it? You know, it's um, that's probably the big question for me. I overthink it for 
Thank it. Is that a word? I, <laughs> <laughs> you got me saying that. Now I'm wondering if that's a word. But I thought about it for a really long time. And I, I, I'm a very loyal person mm. and I care a lot about people. So when there are people in my organization, I really care about them. They're my flock. I want everybody to be the best they can possibly be, create the environment where that can be at least. And there was a time, I don't know, it was probably about three years ago where I just realized that I wanted to work with people that wanted to make an impact. And mm -hmm. it was going to take some effort on my part to do it, of course, but I just wanted to put myself out there and prove to myself that I could actually accomplish what I really wanted to do was to, instead of working within one company, advise a range of companies. Mm -hmm. And when you and I met, I was early in that process and I was trying a lot of stuff. And I but was trying up, But did you, this key thing you just said, trying a lot of stuff. Now, were you, Still working for someone at the time we met. So we met. I met Joe at a, a a podcast as well, interviewing at a podcast. A friend of mine, Brian Church, uh, he had a podcast. He invited me to come down, and Joe was a guest after me. So we just clicked right then and there. Yeah. And uh, but and so that's how I, you and I met, and that relationship now flourished over what two years now, and yeah. we just continue, just keep building. So, but we, so you weren't working at the time. You decided you're gonna start working then. Yeah, I decided to start my own business, and uh, I think I may have mentioned this to you before. I went to. Uh, a monastery in Kentucky. And believe it or not, I didn't talk for three days. I just prayed and, and walked in the, in the woods. And it's a, hold on. It's a monastery in Kentucky. I'm thinking you're going to say yeah. in China somewhere, somewhere in no, no. The no, it's called, it's called Gethsemane. And uh, it's where Thomas Merton was a monk. And I, he's a fantastic uh, writer and just a really interesting guy. So I spent some time there and that's where I got a lot of my clarity. And I realized if I'm going to do it, I need to do it. And I didn't, what's interesting to me is I didn't apply to myself a lot of the principles that I was applying to everyone else that comes to me for advice. Mm -hmm. So I did too many things all simultaneously. And I just put my world of experiences out into the world and said, okay, what sticks and what doesn't stick? Mm -hmm. And it, be it began to sort out. And then as it began to sort out, I started to align myself with people that I really treasure their opinions. And then before long, I was able to create a business. Now, I'm also very fortunate that my best friend, my wife of 37 years, is by my side doing this. So she holds me accountable and kind of pushes me a little bit. But it that was a really interesting experience for me because I, you know, I, I came out of a situation where I was doing okay financially and, mm -hmm. and I wasn't desperate or anything. But I did need to make my business successful to show that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And so that was my my drive every day. And it's been, it's been great. I mean, it's been absolutely amazing since I did it. But it, but it continues to keep flourishing though, because has it always been about diversity inclusion in a sense, or have you always just been a, that, that God was always curious about how to build people together, bring them together, see how we got a common ground and acknowledge the fact that we're all different. Because that's one thing I do like about you is that you always, you know, there's different paths, different backgrounds, different everything. And we all can come together as one. But before I get to that, what do you say? Are you a person that, or what do you say to someone that says, I'm colorblind? I, I think you're being dishonest about, you don't, actually, what I would say is you're not comfortable expressing yourself for fear of what's going to happen if you're honest. Oh. That's what I would say is you notice color, but it, it may not mean the same thing to you as it might mean to somebody that's a racist. Yeah, yeah, but you yeah, know, oh, I get, no, I get it. Yeah, so you know when people I mean? tell me that they say that, I normally say, "Well, by you saying that you're colorblind, let me know that you you see color." So, <laughs> so. Yeah, right, 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 right. So, so I mean, I think yeah. it's 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of a, a people say that stuff, but I think it's a defense mechanism too, my opinion. Right. Because so, so it keeps you away from. I actually, I, you know, correct no one in a, in a harsh way. It's just one a way of just showing, spreading yeah. some, sharing some light, shedding some light. And they say, oh, well, you know my heart, right? Yeah, I know your heart. It's okay to acknowledge that people are different. It's okay to acknowledge that I'm yeah. black and you're white or he's orange and green. Yeah. So, like, you can you acknowledge that. It's, it's fine. Different cultural backgrounds are different. But I always wanted to know what people thought process, especially a white guy, right? Yeah, exactly. And I am a white. Yeah, and I am, right, a white, right? I am a white guy. <laughs> so I typically, I typically hear that from uh, my Caucasian persuasion brothers and sisters. Say, I'm colorblind. Well, it's okay that now that it's not the same. And, and apparently you're not colorblind because you see the color. You know, but it's okay. I do, I do see that. But, so, but, but you never started out as – go ahead. Go ahead. No, I wanna, you would ask me a really interesting question. And this was probably about a year ago, Troy. A guy asked me, so what does curiosity mean to you? I thought, that's a great – it's broad. He's like, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, take, take that where you want, right? So for me, I've always been incredibly curious about a lot of stuff. Like I really, you know, I'll spend exorbitant amount, exorbitant amount of time trying to understand things as a, as a constant learner. But here's what curiosity means to me. And this is the answer to the question you were asking me about diversity. And that journey for me has been interesting. So for me, curiosity is not about the questions. It's about being interested in the answers. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm very purposeful in the questions that I ask because I genuinely want to learn. I need the answers. And some people use questions as deflection. So if I ask you a lot of questions about, so Troy, what's it like being a black man? Like if you don't really care about the answer to that question, then you're just asking it because it seems like everyone else is asking the question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what Especially I mean? So it's heightened time. It's disingenuous. It doesn't really mean anything. So I've always been that way. And then I think because of the way I was brought up with my mom and dad and my grandmother, um, I have an emotional intelligence based on the experiences that I had with them. And they were teachers. So they were always with the kids. And we always talked about the kids. And whether it was the Vietnam War or, you know, my mom and dad um, had kids from the projects and stuff that went to their schools. So we always talked about the challenges that that um, children had. So I think I was um, made aware of that. And I'm very comfortable, actually in some ways more comfortable being with um, people that have just a basic life and sitting around and talking with them about just day-to-day. -day. So you said they have a basic life. So you don't really want nobody too much drama. You're like, yeah, I just want to keep it really basic, you know? Because <laughs> I'm kind of a dirty fingernail guy. Like I like to get into the grit. That's what I. Enjoy. Yeah, and then you know what? So that's and I can see you asking those type of questions about and truly meaning. So Troy, what's it like being a black guy? Then you actually would say, go granular with it and say, hey, so tell me about this and tell me about that. So and you'll be like, this guy must really want to know. He's not that he's trying to be nosy. He's really just want to know what's going on. So let's let's go back to what. Let's go into your past of things because so people can get an understanding that Joe. I mean, you so your your dad was in the service. My so dad moved around a lot. My dad was, in, no, actually I didn't. Um, my dad was a, no, my dad was a Marine in World War II and he came back home after the war. My mom was um, living in the same city. I grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts. And um, both my mom and my dad lost their first love during the war. So mm -hmm. when they came back, or when my dad came back, my mom was living with her, uh, her mom who, and her dad had unfortunately died as well. So they found each other through my aunt 
Claire introduced them and then they got married. But both my mom and dad were school teachers for over 40 years and uh, really interesting, simple, consistent life. I mean, my sister and I often joked about every Monday was kind of the same and every Sunday was kind of the same. We, we had a routine in our life that didn't really change too terribly much. <laughs> and that's what makes you comfortable with the normal stuff, you know, like ordinary exactly. life. Yeah. So, you know, in, in our name, my best friend, my whole life I've known since I was three and he, uh, he and I talked last night and our wives are good friends. So, you know, it's that consistency is pretty unique and I'm very blessed to, to have that. But when your parents are school teachers, you know, they get up at the same time every day. They come home at the same time. They go get groceries every day, every week on the same period. We eat the same meal on every, you know, every Monday. Yeah, every, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, you have meatloaf, leftover Wednesdays, stuff like that. But let me ask you, yeah. what's your best friend's name? My best friend's name is Mike Moynihan. Okay, so he's not black then. Well, how do you know that? I, I, I'm going <laughs> to ask you. <laughs> Mike Moynihan is going to be, but either way. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good guess, right? No, but when you, but what you was going to say, I was going to say, you going to say, yeah, my best friend, he's black. And, you know, that's the classic, <laughs> the classic, I'm not a racist type line, right? It's right. Like, well, my best friend's black, or, so. Yeah, or do you have a friend that's black, which is your next question. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we talked about going, when was the last time you had a black person over your house for dinner? Remember we had that Yeah, we had, we definitely have, yeah. And we got to still do that. We still got to well, do we that. COVID's our excuse. COVID out, yeah. So now, and you, right now, you're on a 14-day quarantine because you're not going to see your grandbabies, man. So, you know, right. exactly. you're not going outside with nobody right now. No, no, no. It's Yeah, exactly. But this, what I, but this is what I like about you, though, Joe, man. You are one guy that doesn't mind saying he's white. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, sure. you don't – you that because your heart is genuine of saying, look, man, I'm a white guy. You know, it is what it is. I can't run from that. I came up this way. I'm cool with that. And that's, you know, a lot of people in town, unfortunately, get uncomfortable, especially in today's climate. They don't want to even acknowledge that. It's right there in your face. What is that about? Um, you know, I think it goes back to an earlier question you asked me about colorblindness is I think people are aware that whatever they say, there's going to be a follow-up. And it's the follow-up question that people get most uncomfortable with. So I'm a middle-aged white guy. I mean, I am. I grew mm -hmm. up in a certain way. and and you can judge me based on what you see of me, which is what happens to um, black friend, my black friends. I mean, that mm -hmm. happens without any knowledge or any conscious insight about who you are as a person. People make a judgment. And I think people are fearful of judgment. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah. And I think it's a little disarming if you come out and say, you know, here's who I am. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's start the conversation from that basis. because. I can't, like I've said to you before, I'll never be a black man. Mm -hmm. I'll never be a black woman. I'll never be a white woman. I'll never be a woman. It's not going to happen for me. I mean, but, you, you can change that if you wanted to, but. but <laughs> God, yeah. For me, yeah, for me, it's not going to happen. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible. Anything that, is, possible. that is very true. You are correct. But that yeah. is, um, but, you know, I think just establishing the truths between two people allows for the the next phase of the conversation i i believe so by you actually starting so your company it just migrated well you always had an open mind so we're going back to you always had an open thought process of building a, a diverse company i guess but now that your company's mainly really focused towards seem like it's towards that is it not yeah so the vision of the company is to create environments where dialogue leads to impact right so to create the environment it has to be safe to create the dialogue is you actually have to be 
curious and be able to kind of go back and forth. And then, like I called you last week and said, Troy, what is the best thing that I can do right now? Mm -hmm. And you knew what you knew what I wanted to do is I wanted to make an impact. And yeah. you told me, be you and call it out, which is what I think I do. Very That's what well. you always do all the time. Yeah. But I but I don't think, you know, for me at least, it wasn't adequate. So now mm -hmm. we're on this, we're doing this together. We're gonna do yeah. more to, more things right. together. But I, but I think what happened um, is by creating that safe space, the trusted space, people began to talk about things that really mattered to them. And even though I was doing that within the context of advisory work for companies, people started talking about their culture and they started talking about the gaps that they have. And suddenly um, I was asked, actually what happened is someone said to me, how do we get people that have different views on things together in a conversation? And I said, well, you have to create an environment that's safe for them to do that. And people so do that at work all the time, though, right? They always do the diversity inclusion meetings and all that, but people are still afraid to discuss yeah. right. what they really want to talk about. Well, I remember when we had uh, one of the bridge meetings together. And, and that's what I was going to get to, because what oh, you're yeah. doing is creating a bridge. Yeah, right? I'll, let you get to, I'll get, let you get to that in a second. Yeah. But I, um, I was asked what I would do about it, and I said, you know, I don't have any tolerance for people that mischaracterize other groups of people because they don't know enough. Mm -hmm. And so my goal was to bring people together to have that kind of a dialogue. And we did it. And what I found was that it, exactly what I thought might happen happened was people have different viewpoints and it doesn't really matter. You know, not all, um, for example, not all millennials think the same, not all baby boomers think the same. Not all black people think the same. Not all white people think the same. Mm -hmm. But if you can get them in a safe place and they don't get antagonistic, we have a shot at making progress. And that's kind of what I saw came out of this. And, and you introduced me to uh, Jen Miller and Jen added the word inclusion to my diversity of thought process. And now I'm really focused on diversity and inclusion as a as a driver, because I've never been one for ratios. I, I've always found ratios to fail the individual. And mm -hmm. I think it's more about, it, it is ultimately you have to have, you know, in, inclusion requires you to have people of all different um, orientations involved in the dialogue, but you also have to support them too. You can't support everyone the same way. Right. So it's more than just bringing them in. You have to recognize that everybody comes at it differently. So that's where it, that's where it all came from. Hey, 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 this is your host, Troy Smith. I hope you enjoying the episodes thus far. I want you to do me a favor, though. Head over to NottyLounge.com, N-O-T-I-L-O-U-N-G-E.com. Scroll to the bottom, hit that connect button. Let's make sure you and I are connected. Let's make sure we can keep this thing going. Tell a friend, tell a family member. Come and join us on our virtual comfy couch at the Naughty Lounge. Now let's get back to the show. And that's where now you're creating that bridge for everybody. So that's what one right. thing we collaborated with together. You had the idea about the bridge, make it a safe environment because uh, let's be honest, people go to work. They're not going to talk about exactly what's happening and if the, what's happening at work or around them. But then also if the people are not trusting the environment that they're in, they're still not going to say nothing. Oh yeah. for sure. But as you continuously build that rapport up, right? Rapport and trust, people start to open up and things like that. And that's where the bridge comes in. You're bridging the gap. Cause people yeah. always want to know what should I do? Or what can we do? 
you know, it's just start bring, building a bridge and start bring, making everyone come and meet together. So in today's t- climate and time, Joe, you know, every, your business is probably going to start flourishing even more because people want to know, okay, what can I do to involve, include, you know, we got the token person or two, right? right. But how can we actually make sure they got a seat at the table, have a seat at the table and actually yeah. have inclusion there? And people are going to be hitting you up all over the place now because what you're, you're primarily focusing on inspiring to be a better you, right? And I, no, exactly. No, thank you. That's that's exactly right. And I think what, in a, in a weird kind of way, I represent kind of the thought process that a lot of people wish they they had. So they are looking for guidance on how to get there. And it turns out, unless you're a total antagonist, most people can make progress. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the bridge, right? Yeah. Why, why are bridges built? Bridges are built to connect two places that otherwise wouldn't connect. Right. And if it's people that aren't connected, the bridge allows for that connection. But people have to start walking on the bridge. And if they don't walk on the bridge, the bridge is just a piece of architecture. And I think that's what could happen in this situation too, is that we've begun it's actually not begun. We've refreshed a discussion that's been taking place for far too long and we haven't made the kind of progress that we should have made. And the question for me now is when, when the energy around this changes, whenever that, whenever that happens, will there still be some, how many people will remain on the street? Will it be no one or will it be more? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the thing about the bridge is we've got to, get more people to believe that it's possible for change. And if we can do that, then I believe we can see substantial movement in a, in a way that would be helpful to everybody that's involved in this. What make you think this, what makes this, op, this situation much different from before that what makes the George Floyd situation different than yeah. Eric Garner or any other situation or even the young lady got shot in, in Louisville or when the, when, what makes this situation different in your opinion? What makes this one different? Um, I, th- I think, you know, cause I grew up in, you and I've talked about 1968, which is burned in my memory with, you know, Martin Luther King and Robert mm-hmm. being assassinated. And, you know, I was, I was less than 10 years old at the time. So I remember it and my sister was older than me and we, we, you know, we really thought, that this was going to be a transformative time. And it turned out that it did make change, but it, it slipped because we lost those great leaders. And I think what's different now, Troy, is I think part of what makes the country really challenged is part of what's making it better right now, or not better, but heightening the awareness, which is the way that communication is taking place with um, social media and video conferencing and everything else. I think that is making it impossible to not see the truth. Mm -hmm. I think the truth is right there. And I believe that's a big part of it. I also think that with COVID, and I don't know if this is actually true. No, I I was going to say, I really believe COVID-19 couldn't have come at a time to where 2020, you know, people say having a vision, 2020 clear vision. This year has been one of those years people wanted to throw away in the trash and start over. But it's literally becoming 2020 clear vision where you cannot but help see yourself in the mirror. And with all the distractions that's gone that would normally be here, you have no other choice but to see it. Exactly. And I think people are tired and 
there's a universal theme and people are like enough, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so I think people, you know, let's be honest, people have time, they're burned out. This is terrible what's occurred and the tolerance level is, is gone. And the other thing that's important too, because eventually it's going to have to face you get to have the change occur. It's going to be a governmental thing too. The government, especially the local governments, their budgets are under under real tight scrutiny right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the conversation is happening. Where's the money going to go? So it's like a perfect storm of things that have really been put this on the forefront. And I would also say that the young people today are. Um, I have so much hope in the young people in terms of how they think and how they're willing to go after it. And I think that's been a big big part of it too. I know my kids are like that. I'm very proud of them. And that's where I guess that part of, uh, you know, younger people these days have an expectation, like an expectation of that. I get this when I want it. I can go do what I want, you know, when I want to, if I want to say something, I can say something, you know, where in the past generational differences, you know, in the past, if you were, for example, your mom yep. and dad, the, the, the man worked, right. Yep. Or, you know, and the woman cooked or did something like that took care of the family. Some people did things differently because it's not like your parents did both. Like, you know, they, they worked together as a team. Right. You know, um, blacks act, acted a certain way. White people did a certain thing. Other people did. It was just compartmentalized. As you get older and get past a certain generational times, different generations do different things. You know, hippies and, and smoking some hash oh, back yeah. in the day was your, in your generation, right? You know. Uh, oh, yeah. My sister, yeah, my sister uh, brought four-letter words and, and pot back from college in this <laughs> so it didn't it didn't go that well and uh, uh, bell bottoms too believe yeah it. I did, yeah i did grow up bell bottoms <laughs> so, oh, you probably don't believe that but i did i believe you know i believe but see as but see but what would you so people would expect well like say for when you started bridge when you started doing your company and you're talking about doing diversity inclusion they would say of course you're a white guy you probably you know saddened about some things and you want to go ahead and try to make it even, you know, you normally would expect to hear that from, you know, a middle-aged white guy to say, I want to do some diversity inclusion. What make, you know, what do you say to that type of thing? Like, oh, well, you know, when we talked about this before, when we had our first meeting, you know, yeah. you walk in the room, middle-aged white guy, want to do, tell yeah. me about your life and how, how can I help? Well, it, it happens all the time. I mean, people yeah. say to me. I mean, sometimes they don't even say it, but I know they're thinking it because I, Cause I'm, you know, I'm a privileged guy. I've, yeah. I, it doesn't really matter what my story is to be honest with you, but I'm a white guy that's been a, you know, fortunate to be in great positions. I'm well-educated. You know, I've got a great family and I've got all those. As you, I think you said this to me the other day. I check all the marks. Yeah, I'll check all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> I check all the boxes. So, so, but I'm just honest about that. So mm-hmm. what, what's unique about me, I think is that I do actually care a lot. And I think that in all of the businesses that I've been involved in, the types of people that I walk away with from a relationship standpoint are very often atypical for most people in my position. Mm-hmm. Like I don't hang out with certain people that you might think I would hang out with. I just don't, I don't do that. So I believe that my experience, my success, my platform is, is here to serve the, um, the broader community in a way that can bring people together. And, and here's, here's what I've learned, Troy. It's not, I mean, it's not about me. It's about me being able to stand up the voices that 
are most important and use my skills to enable that to be the outcome. Not about me being able to say, I did one more thing in my career. That's not what it's about. Yeah, yeah it ain't that check about to say, I did help out some people, you know, I helped out some black people or anyone else. Yeah, got it. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's more about being genuine and, and really trying to um, ensure that I'm able to bring my experiences in a way that helps people. Because, you know, it's really interesting about mentorship and support and advocacy and all this stuff. And recently, allyship has become the, the, um, the driver is how do you become an ally with someone? Mm-hmm. And um, that's really what's been a kind of a driver for me of late is I want to, I really truly want to make this not about me, but help, help others kind of achieve their goals by um, creating an environment where that can actually occur. So how can we avoid making this just a good gesture? You know, how can we avoid the times where we continuously, we get, you know, people are heightened. They're, 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 it's like the thing to do is the hot button topic. And then a month or two later, after the distractions come back, you know, yep. start picking back up. Uh, little events and stuff start coming back here and there. And where you can start brushing things under, under the rug. How do we can, how can we avoid making this a gesture, Joe? Another good gesture, but mm-hmm. it changed. Well, I, I, I think like anything, when you're trying to build, if you're trying to build a business, how do you make, how do you get a business to scale? Mm-hmm. And we have to scale this because you're right. People will go back to their, their lives and they'll think about it and they'll remember it, but then they won't be, they won't make it a priority for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I believe to make it a priority, we need to connect people on the topic. We have to, um, help them understand a way to make it a part of the fabric of their life. You know, for example, I start every meeting in my business with safety and health. Mm-hmm. Every meeting, people look at me sometimes like, what are you talking about? I don't care. I mean, I'm going to educate on safety and health every time. It's really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can make diversity and inclusion, um, this is one of my ideas. If we can make diversity and inclusion a standard agenda item on every agenda in business, why can't we do that? It doesn't have to be the whole meeting, but why can't we have people bring a real life experience that they've had, they've had personally on diversity and inclusion so that we constantly are reminded and talk about it. I think that's a simple thing to do. I think it's achievable. And I think we can make people, um, not make people, but people can, can kind of migrate to that. What we have to do though, I think is continue to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, People will go back to comfort because that's human nature. Yeah, because after a while you get old talking about the same thing, and well, right, and then they get old. Like for example, I'm gonna be honest with you. One time I started getting tired of hearing diversity inclusion, even though I'm a part of it. You know, after a while you hear sure. it so much, the same rhetoric over and over, and then it starts turning into a point. Okay, so what are we gonna do to change it? Where right. it's no longer a discussion. Yeah. So let's talk well, about that's the thing. Let's talk about your experience and blah blah. So, because we're doing a lot of talking right now. Yeah. And- and then the talking leads to some really interesting stuff, right? I mean, we've done some really important symbolic things. We've gotten very accusatory um, both ways, you know. Yeah, both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big time. And so I think we just need this period of, it's almost like a brainstorming session. We need all of this to come out and then we need to sort it out. And then once we sort it out, we need to create a plan. And once we create a plan, we can activate people. But I think it's really overwhelming right now with all the stuff that's happening for people to know where to 
where to plug in. Mm-hmm. You know, where where do I like you you called me the other day and you said, Will you be on my my show? And I said, Absolutely. And you would you made a comment to me that you're not afraid to say something that might be imperfect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm seeing amongst a lot of the people that I know is they're afraid that they're going to say something that will be imperfect. Yeah. Even when you tell a, I told a guy today, uh, one of my colleagues I work with now, uh, one of the insurance agents I, I work with. And I was like, Hey man, this is a safe zone. Say whatever you want to say. And it was so cringing for me to listen to him, try to still skate around everything. I'm like, dude, I just told you to be clear and speak your mind. Well, you know what I'm trying to say, right? I mean, it's just, I said, man, it's, it's sad to hear you continuously trying to get around it. It's like, just say what you want to say. Even when you make a safe zone yeah. for folks sometimes, Joe, it still be like a... Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, like yeah, a, exactly. But, but I think, Troy, let's, let's, to that point, Yeah. let's kind of cut to the chase, right? So we, we have um, a situation where, surprisingly, even after Mr. Floyd's death, we've still mm-hmm. had the same thing happen a few more... A few, more times that we've read about, right? So oh, yeah, yeah. That's, it's surprising and shocking, but yeah. it's still, you're not going to have a snap change. We also have, not, a, yeah. we have a presidential election taking place. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to use our conscience and get active and, and vote for change. And it's not just the president, it's all the other. Across the board, yeah, local for sure. Get out there and be involved with your local stuff too. So before we go, Joe, I, I wanted to, one, you know, like I said, so the Naughty Lounge is focused towards an individual that's a business owner or aspire to be one. This situation that was, that's happened over the past, over the, over this course of three weeks has really opened the eyes about how business is going to change, relationships are changing, uh, life as we know it has changed. What would you say to that business owner that's like, uh, that's overthinking and saying, I don't know if I want to even still do this idea anymore, if I want to even keep my business going because I may not be doing the right thing or saying the right stuff. What would you know? Does that question make sense? What would you tell that person? Is it specific to the okay? Let's go to the social person. Justice. Okay, yeah, polit- yeah, because you know, political the, the just social justice is going to change everything, the landscape. Right, right. You're like, for example, your business is probably going to have more people reaching out to you to say, "Help me yeah. do the right thing," Spike Lee. <laughs> Help me do the right, right thing. You know, or you know, how can I make sure I'm in the right here? And but but more but before they reach out to you, they may be overthinking it. So let's talk about the two things: the person that's already in business, that has a company going, they want to yeah. reach out, they want to get something going. What would you tell that person that's overthinking it, knowing their business is going to is going to change due to this social economics, the social stuff? I I think it's a little bit about what's happening here. Is I think you need to get a couple people into the conversation with you that are not thinking like you mm-hmm. and challenge challenge you around the core of what your business is and don't don't think that you have to throw everything out the window there you go just adjust it good just adapt it yeah good all right that's good for that person that's already in business what about the person that's aspiring to be a business owner but they're afraid because they're they're, said it now get past the whole point about social injustice but they're just scared in general because they don't know they got they're burnt out at work Joe, they're burnt out, man. It's, yeah. Even though you work from home, you if you haven't noticed, you're working more hours at home than you did at the office. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. You know, so they're like, man, I got this. I'm burnt. They argue with their wife or their or husband or spouse or friend or whoever and say, I'm tired of this. 
I want to do, I want to live, do something that's edifying to me. What would you tell that person? I think you still have to go through the process of um, build a, build a plan on a piece of paper that describes exactly what you want to do and why it's valuable and um, be clear on what risk you're willing to take yourself and um, test that idea with some people that you trust and get their input and then adjust. But if you, once you decide that you want to do something on your own, don't think that the first idea is the only idea you'll ever have. Don't get locked in on that idea. Be stubborn. Just mm. participate in the entrepreneurial process because once you do that, it's amazing what happens. Your aperture widens and suddenly you'll see things that you didn't see before when you're working for a corporation. And your idea, the idea will be, will exist within that new experience that you have. So I would just encourage people to continue it. Don't necessarily give up everything else you're doing until you know, yeah. but I just surround yourself with people that are going to give you honest input. That's what I would say. And I'm quite sure you do that. I'm quite sure you do that already. Cause I hear from you at times and say, Hey man, what do you think about this? You know, oh, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I, and I, and I like that, you know, yeah. same yeah. thing, same thing. Vice versa. A lot of ideas are just make no sense. <laughs> they feel good. They make me feel good, but they don't. Right. You say, hey, Joe, man, I might want to go back and just write it up a little bit longer, a little bit more just to really get into it, you know, and that's and that's the safe ground. You know, we right. know we respect yeah. each other that way. Precisely. I agree. So, Joe, man, we're about to head out of this thing, man. So I don't know if you're a social media type of guy besides LinkedIn, right? Are you on Instagram, Facebook and all that stuff? Um, I don't I don't. A little bit of Facebook. I'm not little. a big. I don't do a lot. <laughs> So you're no, more of, a, you're more of an email your... guy. Yeah. You think I should? Of course. Why not? All right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, look. Look at all that right, dialogue. Everybody, look at that. That simple dialogue there is how Joe is all the time. He's as, you know, we're, we're, we're just throwing, throwing ideas, but it's, he's never too big to say, yeah, no. No, your point, your opinion doesn't matter. And that's why you're going to, that's why you continuously flourish, my friend. That's why you do what you do. So. Thanks, thanks Troy. But so. So tell us. So Joe Morgan. I mean, I know you got safeinspireyou.com. Is that what you want your contact? Is that how people will reach out to you and contact you? Yeah. If you want to reach me, um, joe.morgan at safeinspiredyou.com or the website is www.safeinspiredyou.com. Nice, man. Well, look, y'all, thank you all for being a part of what well, listen to the Nightly Lounge. Hey, and Joe, thank you for being on here. Remember, the true outcome of having a mindset of successful thinking is having an unwavering expectation of successfully achieving a predetermined goal, knowing that the outcome was supposed to happen. Remember, the two most important currencies in life are time and relationships. Time, you got to invest wisely because you can't get it back. And relationships, get you places that money can't buy. I'll holler at you.